0: Now let me holler at your partner, spit this game in your ear for a minute, quit complaining about how you can't spin it, cause you ain't got it, you got what it takes, but not enough to get started, I hope you get the message, no it's not a Tessus, just me riding Hello,
1: and thank you for joining me. us on I'm Building Greatness, The I'm Warrior Way, stuff. a Westcliff back, University I'm athletics podcast. As always, I'm joined by our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. And I'm Sherm Dog, David Shermett, the head baseball coach at Westcliff University. Well, hey, we have another incredible podcast for you today and a very special guest. As we are continuing to highlight some of our outstanding student athletes today, we have Kennedy McDonald joining us. She plays our indoor women's volleyball as well as beach volleyball, and she is on our surf team. Kennedy, great to have you here. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm definitely a little slow. I think right now it's pretty early for me. So forgive (laughs) me on that, but I'm excited about today.
1: Not a problem. You're going to fit right in with this podcast. We're all a little bit slow, but trust, always... me, trust
0: me, nobody's slower than Schmidt. So you're good, Jimmy.
1: <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. We're, it's all good. Hey, uh, always wonderful to have our student athletes on and uh, somebody of your stature in particular. We've got a lot to discuss here because you have quite a history. I mean, uh, you know, the first of our five C's is to find great athletes and coaches and um, who uh, uh, are, you know, outstanding in what they do. And so you certainly are that. Your history is amazing in your sport. And you play three sports. And I'm going to ask you about that here in just a little bit. You are from Fresno, California. Is that correct?
2: Correct. I'm from the Valley, born and okay. raised. <laughs>
1: okay. And um, you went to Fresno City College, right?
2: Correct. Yeah. I attended oh. my freshman and sophomore years there.
1: Excellent. Um, I bring that up in particular because I am kind of partial to Fresno City College. On our baseball team, we have brought in a couple of players from Fresno City, and I've got a pretty good relationship with the coach there. So we like Fresno City as a pipeline to all of our sports here at Westcliff. Tell us a little bit about your accolades from there, because I've got a list of them here. and and They're (laughs) impressive. Tell us about your history.
2: Thank you. Um, yeah, Fresno City definitely does a really good job of recruiting athletes from the Valley. We're a pretty tight-knit family. And I think that kind of relays over to whatever college we go to next. Uh, uh, JJ Sanchez for an example is on the baseball team here. So we have a history from Fresno City. It's nice to see familiar faces down here. Um, but for my accolades at Fresno City, Kieran Robley, Def, our, my head coach, along with the rest of the Fresno City staff is very committed and well-driven uh, in a sense to that almost relays over into every single athlete that crosses her path. So I think that a lot of our championships and wins and our 13 time conference title is all because of her. She works really hard and it shows, and she's probably up right now at Fresno city doing her thing, making sure that the rest of the season goes well. So I owe it to her.
1: Okay. And you know what? We all have those mentors that are gonna help us get to the next level. But in particular, uh, some of the things that uh, are a credit to you is that uh, at Fresno City College, they were the 2018 State Championship finalists, the 2019 State Championship Final Four, 2018 and 2019 Conference Champion, 2018 and 2019 Dean's List recipient, maybe as important as anything else, 2018, 2019 All-Central Valley Conference Honorable Mention, you attended Clovis West High School as well, where you were state championship finalists in 2017 and a track champions in 2017. All of those things, correct? Yeah. That that okay. Don't be modest here. Go ahead and, and that's all right. St- stand up and tell us what you think, uh, and and tell us about yourself. Stuff like that is absolutely great. Um, and so, what is it that? brought you to Westcliff Uh, you probably had some other opportunities and what was it about Westcliff University that attracted you
2: um you know that's a good question I think it was kind of it happened really quickly uh it was actually right around this time last year I started reaching out to colleges and it was pre-pandemic like just a couple months so it's pretty hectic um Westcliff though I had a couple friends down in this area from Fresno City actually that were talking really highly of the school and um as competitors as well. And I thought, well, that wouldn't that be funny if I had played against my former teammates at Westcliff when they uh they attend like Concordia and Masters and Menlo. Um so I was seeing a lot of really good reviews on the coaching staff, on the players, especially. Um And I think one of the driving factors is that it is in SoCal, it's in Southern California. It's got extremely nice weather. Um, Another viewpoint was that the fact um, I was able to play beach and indoor volleyball, which is something uh, not a lot of the other schools had. So something I really looked into because I've been an athlete my entire life. It was always volleyball and soccer, and I never really wanted to choose a sport. So here I am being able to play both and then some, so it, it's just kind of the opportunities that it gave me and the people that it's brought me here with.
1: Sure. Sure. Tell me something. Um, you know, you mentioned indoor volleyball and beach volleyball. And aside from the obvious, what is the difference in the two? I mean, in indoor volleyball, you have how many people on a court at a time?
2: You have six. OK. And six on a
1: court. And how many in beach volleyball?
2: just two right so there's a lot more area on the court to cover (laughs) right
1: is i would imagine obviously you know we've all walked in the sand a a lot of us have and and, uh had the opportunity to uh maybe be indoor and outdoor but the speed of the game to me seems like obviously that is as big a difference as anything
2: yeah yeah no for sure um i think that obviously like you had said the Playing in the sand is a lot tougher. Mm, <laughs> it oh definitely yeah. takes a toll on your body. You feel it in your calves the next day for sure. Okay. Um, I think, besides the speed, though, the difference is the team dynamic uh, for indoor. There's six girls on a court and everyone's screaming at each other in positive <laughs> ways. But, you know, it's like, go get the ball, go do this. And it's very like we're all tied together as a team emotionally and physically, not to say that you're not in beach, but there's a different driving factor. And like the enthusiasm is different. So like when you're playing 66 and indoor and you get a point and the whole team screams together and they're like, yeah, I'm really excited. But for beach, it's just the two and the rest of the team that's off the court can't necessarily tell you, like they can tell you good job, but they can't tell you like where to hit mm. or where to pass or like, what the next play should be. So there's a different dynamic off the court as well.
1: Ah, okay. See, there's that. there are those things that surround the sport that we don't necessarily think about um, off the field. Do you have a preference? And, and just purely from a sports point of view, do you prefer beach or do you prefer indoor?
2: Oh, I actually get this question asked a lot. And I'm going to really? be honest, I really don't have a preference. Yeah, okay. I like them both equally, neck and neck.
1: <laughs> okay, very good. Now, you are a, a tri-sport athlete, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. And and the third sport that you are participating in for our university is the surf team. Is that correct?
2: Correct. Under Kyle oh, Rouse. Yeah, he's my coach. Under Coach
1: Rouse. Right. Who is also the women's basketball coach. But let me ask you something about surf. Do you have the opportunity to get a lot of that done in Fresno? But you're from the Valley. So I guess you did you... Yeah. Growing up, did you get to the beach a lot? I mean, I, I know you play beach volleyball, and I didn't even know that surf was part of your history.
2: Yeah. Um, no, I didn't get to surf a lot in Fresno. It's there's basically not a beach there. It's just exactly, valleys, exactly. mountains. Yeah. So uh, my dad actually lives in Monterey. So ah, I okay. was born there actually, and then grew up in Fresno, Monterey part-time.
1: Mm Hmm. Okay, very good. And just from a young age, surf was one of your things? Or was it something you took up later?
2: It was something that I had tried when I was younger. And uh, I had never really gotten back into it until I came to Westcliff. And I reached out to one of my teammates that's doing the same thing that I am. She's on the surf team, uh, Sierra Lim. And I asked her about the club surf team because I wanted to join and relearn essentially. And then I talked to coach Rouse and he said, well, let's just put you on the team and get you to learn and we'll see how the rest of the season goes. And sadly, we don't have one, but it was just exciting just to be able to like, wow, I'm a tri-sport athlete at a four-year university. Who would have thought?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's very cool. That's one of those things that you don't run across very often as a dual sport athlete, let alone a tri-sport athlete. That's pretty cool. Have you had the chance to surf much since you've been here in Southern Cal?
2: Um, not as much as I would like, mainly Mm -hmm. just because at the beginning of moving here, we had double days. So, right. And it was Monday through Saturday, essentially. So I didn't really have much time off.
1: Okay. All right. Not a problem. Hey, let's go back very quickly and talk about some volleyball. You are a defensive specialist. Is that right?
2: Yes, that's correct.
1: Okay, what does that mean exactly? I, are you uh, great at digging and pancaking? Now I'm I'm just throwing out some terms that I've heard. You're <laughs> yeah. gonna you're probably gonna have yeah. to enlighten enlighten
2: <laughs> me here. Yeah, I'm that is me. I'm the person that's always passing the ball in the back row. Every now and then I'll get a back row attack, or like I'll hit out of the back row. So that's kind of thrilling. But yes, I'm the one that's pancaking all the time. <laughs> okay.
1: Now for those of us, uh, and I, I only know a few terms, you may have to explain to some of our listeners what that means.
2: A pancake. So it's essentially when you can't run like underneath and get your platform underneath the ball. So you're running and you're diving across the court. And the only thing that keeps the ball from touching the ground is your flat hand. So it's like the ball, your flat hand, and then the court. Okay. It's essentially like a pancake because it's flat.
1: Right. And your hand is generally face down, palm on the floor, right? So it's hitting the correct. back. Okay. Very good. Yeah. All right. Cool. Hey, um, you know, there's something interesting here uh, in my notes that you had been voted a team captain. Is that correct, too?
2: Um, yeah, in all honesty, I actually had not known that until I had received the email to do this phone or the Zoom call or the podcast, actually. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. That's really cool. Thank now, you. The, Thank you. Yeah, the interesting thing to me is that you um, took a leadership role like that very quickly. I mean, I, I guess your peers obviously saw that quality in you. Um, did you realize that you had that leadership quality?
2: Um, I I... I think throughout the years I've had experience uh, having to step up. So I think that right before this recruiting process, I was told like this team is going to be very young. We need someone to be able to step up because they had lost a lot of their returners last year. So when that was told to me and that was relayed to me, I said, yes, I will take that challenge. And I like being someone that the team can depend on. So uh, I do think that I have some of those qualities and I'm very happy that my team had voted me captain. Uh, definitely surprised.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah. You know, it, it, just to compare it to baseball, we had two, three team captains over the last few years and they're all returning players for the most part. So to be an incoming yeah. player. Yeah. And to make that kind yeah. of an impact that quickly says a whole lot about one, your team and two in particular, you, your character, your integrity, and the fact that your teammates recognize that in you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, it's definitely very humbling to know that my team views me in that perspective. And I think that, like you just said, the fact that this is my first year at Westcliffe, I'm a transfer student, and my team was able to see that in me, that means a lot.
1: Hmm, absolutely. And um, you embrace that role, do you? Do you pick that ball up and run with it, the leadership role?
2: Yeah, I try my best too. I'm, I'm, I'm there all the time.
1: <laughs> Good. Well, of course, obviously, whether you're a, a captain or not, it just uh, goes without saying you have to do the work. And as our uh, Dean of Athletics, Sean, always says, you have to chop wood and carry water. And so, um, but as a leader, you've got to do a little bit more. I, I read something interesting today that says bad teams have no leadership. Good teams, the coaches lead, but in great teams, the players lead.
2: That is a good quote. I actually, I would agree with that. I feel like there's a lot of girls on the team that have that mentality, that championship mentality. And that's kind of coach Ma and coach uh, Chris's motto this year, especially when recruiting, which is good because that's what we want. We want a championship. We're here to practice and fight for what we deserve and what we want.
1: Mm, Yep. Well said. Well, well said. Um, Let me ask you a couple of questions about the last say six or eight months for you personally. Um, yeah. what, what have you been doing during the shutdown to keep yourself in shape and, and stay mentally sharp and, uh, and try to conduct some volleyball and, and uh, maybe surf activities?
2: Yeah, so I try to get to the beach as much as I can. I mean, it was just definitely like the winter season here in SoCal. So I was back home for a little bit. Um, but besides or not besides, I guess. Um, the one thing I have been trying to do most is just get out every day and run as at least a mile a day. And then I try to get my teammates and I especially, um, will try to put together like beach days, uh, to play beach volleyball. So we're there at like nine o'clock in the morning down at Newland in Huntington. And we're playing until about one 32 o'clock on the weekends or just days that we don't have, um, like our own little get togethers like the indoor team will get together and play grass, which is cool. So I'm getting, cause we don't have a facility. So the indoor team's getting to play grass and we're getting to practice and still build that team bond. And the same thing goes for beach. So it's just kind of, we're just kind of trying to get together as much as we can and play the sport essentially just to get touches and reps.
1: Sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think um, many athletes from all of our sports are always trying to get together and do something on their own just to either stay in shape or, you still have that camaraderie with your teammates, so yes. I mean that's that's very important, obviously, to not just to work out, but to also stay in touch with your teammates.
2: Exactly, um, exactly, and I think that the team bonding helps us, especially if we have an upcoming season. Like that team chemistry needs to be there.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, you know, let me let me delve a little bit further into the shutdown, um, and uh, with a little bit more emphasis on the personal side, how did it affect you? personally, when you heard that things were going to be shutting down, we weren't going to be playing or practicing, you know, uh, without uh, going well, deeply into the mental health side of it, we have had some athletes on that have talked about that. Um, How did it affect you? You know, sort of mentally, I guess you might say, did you, we're we're all able to persevere, everyone has just put their best foot forward. Um, Did it take you longer? Or were you just say, did you say to yourself, okay, this is it, let's just go from here?
2: I think it was more so of the, okay, this is it. Let's just go from here. Uh, It was actually uh, one of the beach days that we were having with a big chunk of the beach team. We were all playing and then we got the text saying like, Hey, we should hop on this meeting right now from coach Kenny. And then we got the news and we all just kind of sitting there like, this is kind of crazy because this whole time we never Really expected it. We never really wanted it to happen, but it was kind of in the back of our mind. So the fact that it actually happened for the first 15 minutes is kind of a shock. You're just kind of sitting there like, okay, this is really weird that I'm at a collegiate level now and everything that I've worked for is kind of on a halt. Um, It was definitely a little um, tough mentally, but I think once I got in the mindset of, okay, well, this is my time to get better, this is my time to grow it kind of just felt like an off season on my own. So I'm here and with my teammates as well, but we're here trying to get better. Um, so it was kind of one of those moments where we just needed to pick up and keep moving.
1: Right. Okay. So it, you don't feel as though it's affected you for over a long period of time.
2: I mean, it's definitely weird. Um, see, I mean, on Snapchat, you get the one year memories and it's coming up on that one Mm -hmm. year where we're about to go back and, you know, it's almost been a whole year since COVID. So it's, it's pretty strange, especially since like I had mentioned previously, like I've been an athlete my entire life. So usually around this time, like I'm already having a beach season and my mindset's so used to being in a competitive state at this time of year. So it's like my mind wants to keep going and doing all these active things. My body's like, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) Like there's nothing to do anymore, but it's just, I have to keep busy. I have to keep going because I know that there's something at the end of this.
1: Yeah. Are you, one of those people who always needs to be in motion? Or are you okay sitting still for a little bit?
2: No, I have to be in motion. It's got to be something I have to be doing something active, whether it's going on a walk, just to breakfast or on a hike, or even just down the beach, I got to do something.
1: Okay, good. I like that. I'm kind of the same way. I'm not I'm not good sitting still. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What are your um, plans for the future? Have you figured out what you want to do after Westcliff? And and what's your major as an example? Is it business? Is it education? Is it IT?
2: Um, Yeah, actually, I'm a business major with an emphasis in IT. And I think both of them are really interesting. I do want to get my real estate license on the side. um, And I do really like the sales management aspect of IT as well and AI. So I'm not exactly 100% sure what I would like to do but I know there's opportunities out there for me and I know that Westcliff has a really big social network to set me up for those opportunities as well.
1: Nice. Uh, How far away are you from graduation? Do you know?
2: Uh, Next spring, I believe I'm on track. So
1: great. So just about a year. Yep. Oh, that's excellent. Oh my goodness.
2: Um, Then I'm out of here. (laughs) Well, you know what, let me,
1: let me get back to um, your competition here for a little bit. Um, When is the season starting? Uh, when, when I say that, I mean, what is a normal time of year for indoor volleyball, as an example?
2: Uh, for indoor, our preseason stuff normally starts in August. So our practices for preseason and our normal season usually start in July. Um, and then that goes on all the way until about December, which is where we normally have like the state championships and all the conference titles kind of around that time, right before the new year. And then for beach, it's January through April or May.
1: So you don't get so much it's... of a break. You go right from one season to the next.
2: Exactly. And I'm totally okay with that. Like I said, I can't sit down. So <laughs> I like to stay busy. Oh, excellent.
1: Well, um, what kind of team are we going to have this year? How competitive are we going to be in our conference, the CalPAC conference?
2: Uh, I think we're going to be pretty good. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to see what the other teams are like, especially since we're not having a season, obviously, I don't know what the other teams dynamics are, but I feel like one of the things a lot of teams lack is team chemistry. And I feel like with our time off of volleyball, we've actually been able to get a lot closer. Uh, I think that there's a lot of incoming freshmen and freshmen currently on the indoor team that are wanting to grow and get better at the sport that they love. And I think that, um, it's easily, it's easily capable, like for us to do that, um, and just grow as a team, like I had said. Uh, but for the beach team, I think we are extremely competitive. The beach team is a lot older than the indoor team. We have a lot more experience with the older team. It's a lot more of, uh, how do I, like they, we, the younger girls are learning from the older girls. And I think that it's kind of doing the same for indoor, but it's just different people. I think that we're gonna have a really good mindset because that's just kind of like our thing this year on both teams is just having that championship mindset. So Mm. I think that's kind of gonna help us like set up ourselves for the future.
1: How many actual duos, and I'm gonna call it duos a team, are there on beach? Is it just two people and that's it? Or do you have different sets of teams?
2: Yeah. So uh, we do have different sets of teams. It's about the top 10 players. So it's like top five teams. Okay. Two. Yeah. Got it.
1: Okay. And um, where do you and your partner fit in that? And who is your partner?
2: Uh, we actually never really got that far, which is sad, but um, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I didn't uh, really know this year.
1: Okay. Well, it's going to be coming up obviously, because I think things are changing for uh, 2021 uh, numbers are getting better, and when I when I say that, I mean with our pandemic and things are starting to open up, and uh, it, it's going to be an exciting year. I think we're all very much looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and yep. Let me ask you very quickly, and this is kind of a shout out for your entire team. But uh, you know, we have quite a high standard where academics are concerned. Most governing bodies, like the NCAA and the NAIA, require a 2.0 for our uh, athletes to be eligible. Now, you know, at Westcliff, we require a 2.5. That is a university mandate. But uh, recently we found out the cumulative GPAs of all of the teams. Do you know the, what the women's volleyball cumulative GPA is?
2: I want to say it was pretty high this, this past session, was it not?
1: Yes, it certainly, it certainly was. As a matter of fact, uh, it's usually somewhere around 3.45 to 3.50, somewhere in there. I think it was 3.46. I might be off by a number or two. But traditionally, since I've been here, uh, the other sports teams uh, are hard pressed to catch up to the cumulative GPA of the women's volleyball team.
2: They can keep catching up then because our girls are very, (laughs) very um, thriving in a sense academically.
1: Well, you know, I think also the fact that um, we have more time away from our courts and our our fields, we can concentrate a little bit more on our studies as a university and as an athletic department. But um, since I've been here, the women's volleyball team has always been uh, the top In terms of cumulative GPA. Again, I mean, the baseball team was 3.14. I'm not unhappy with that, but we're a long ways off from 3.46. So uh, you and your teammates are certainly to be commended where the classroom is concerned.
2: That's good. We're not letting off the gas pedal either. So we know that we have to get those all assignments in and that way we can play. So
1: (laughs) sure. Sure. Um, You know, we're, we're, um, just about eight weeks now away from, uh, the end of the semester. And what are your plans for the summer, your immediate plans?
2: Um, yeah. So normally when I go home to Fresno, I have a summer job as a camp counselor at river camp in the San Joaquin Valley, um, who knows exactly, um, if that's going to happen this year, just because of COVID, I'm really hoping it does. And that's something I look forward to every year, but, uh, with volleyball, since we do have to be back in July, I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to be doing. Um, there is an opportunity though, for me to coach at uh, Shore short break, which is a club down in Clovis, which is right outside of Fresno. Um, so that way I can keep getting those touches, stay in the volleyball community and hopefully grow as a person as well.
1: Excellent. Um, you know, as a player, most players want to extend their careers as long as possible. Um, sometimes it's not a possibility. Uh, it gets derailed for one reason or another. But when you are finished playing, does coaching interest you?
2: Um, yes, and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, because it's a sport I love. It's fun to watch. I think it's very high energy. And it's always just kind of like right there in your face. Um, no, for the sense that as a player, I know that some players can be very difficult to coach. So as a coach, it'd probably be really frustrating and you have to have a lot of patience, especially if it's a younger team. So like, I guess it just depends.
1: Hmm. Okay, uh, I guess that makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well you know there's there's uh, just as a player have, has their highs and lows, a coach has their highs and lows. Um, exactly. exactly. And it's not it's not all just on the field. Uh, you know you're you're managing, uh, a lot of um, personalities, as an example. Um, but then, you know, when you have some success, both on the court and off the court, uh, or your field of play, uh, there's a certain sense of pride as a coach. I mean, I get one when, when, when we've got all these guys doing well in classes, that, that makes me smile, obviously. Um, if you're successful on the field, that's just, that's icing on the cake. Obviously, you want to be successful on the field. But, um, you know, if, if I could have uh, 35 Kennedy McDonald's on my team, you know, we'd be, we'd be great.
2: No, it's (laughs) true. We'd be golden. golden.
1: Yeah. uh, We'll see (laughs) how we'd be platinum actually. We'd be better. We'd be better than gold. But the point is, is that uh, as a coach, when you sign a player, um, of your stature, that is what fires me up as a coach. You know, when, when it's somebody, when, when a great player, who's uh, a great person, both on the field or the court and off the field as well says, yeah, I want to come to Westcliff and they sign their letter of intent. I just start to beam. I'm fired up. It makes my whole week when I get someone like you.
2: Yeah. I think that another thing too, is um, from my perspective, I love watching my teammates and my coaches as well grows person. I love being able to be a part of that atmosphere and say like, step back and be like, I had a role in this person's success and I'm happy for them. Therefore I am happy. Like I like, making people happy and I like to see that they're thriving in them themselves.
1: Yeah. Well see, that is one of the great qualities of being a coach. You're on your way. So keep that definitely keep that in the back of the of your mind. Um, you know, is, is there a possibility that uh you play professional volleyball somewhere after your time at Westcliff?
2: You know, it's not something that I'm not going to look into. If it's out there, then it's out there that I'm going to try my best for it. Um I mean the reality of it is that I'm not going to be able to play volleyball forever, but I'm going to try my hardest too.
1: Of course. yeah. As I say, as a player, you want to extend your career as long as possible. So if you have the opportunity. So what I'm asking is that if you have the chance to be a professional volleyball player somewhere, whether it's the United States or another country, you would obviously consider that seriously.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. 100%.
1: Mm. Okay. Have you had the chance to play abroad in other countries?
2: I have not, no. Right after Fresno City, um, pretty intense season, as you know. And then COVID hit right as I got to Westcliff. So there's been really nothing else besides that, but I'm grateful to be here.
1: Mm, okay. Well, I, I would imagine there are plenty of either leagues or opportunities um, outside of the United States. They play volleyball. Yes. Yeah. You know, I remember as a kid growing up hearing how great volleyball is in South America, as an example.
2: Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of um, foreign players on our team. Uh, we have one from Austria. We have, we have a couple from Austria actually. And it's crazy that I'm, I'm just from a small Fresno. I guess it's not too small, but I'm from Fresno. So a lot of the people that I play with or against are from the Valley or from Northern California. I'm never getting that out of the United States competition. And they bring fire to the court when they play. And that's something that I really like to play against or play with. So that would be exciting if I was able to get that opportunity.
1: Yeah. Is there, have you noticed that players from abroad ha, play a different style of volleyball?
2: Um, yes and no. I, uh, one of my teammates from the indoor and beach team, she was an incoming freshman or a current freshman, uh, Sarah, she definitely play in a good way. She plays with a lot of aggression because she knows that whatever's thrown at her, she can handle. So I think that that's something that I want to be able to take to like at whatever start I meet I can handle and I want to take that mentality just like she hmm. did.
1: Good okay so you know uh, in terms of the actual game itself and your position um, are you do you get to bump set and spike or do you predominantly do one or the other?
2: Um, for indoor I'm normally the bumping and If the setter takes the first ball, then, yeah, I'm the setter if um, need be. But I'm normally the passer. And then for beach, I get to do all three.
1: Right. How come you don't – why don't you get to spike on indoor?
2: Um, I play prominently back row. Uh, There might be an opportunity where I get to play outside, which is the hitter this year. So I'm excited about that because that's what I used to play. That's what I started with. Okay. But it just depends on your position. I'm normally a back row player. Okay. How tall are you? I'm 5'8". Do you have good ups? You know, I sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She
1: got a good vertical.
2: Yeah. I try my best. It's hard to keep up with the players that are already five ten or six foot, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'll reach. I can try.
1: It's amazing to me how athletic, um, volleyball is and, and the, um, the progression of it over the years. I I mean, things change with the jump serve as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have a chance? Do you, does everyone serve or is it the same person over and over?
2: Uh Yeah, everyone gets to serve. Uh, in some cases, the middles don't normally serve because they're referred to as not the best passers. So that's when the libero would go in and play back row for them. But everyone okay. gets to serve. Yeah.
1: Okay. And the libero is your the one position.
2: with essentially, yeah, we do the same thing, but they're the one with the different colored jersey.
1: Mm, got it. Okay. Yeah. So when you serve, do you do a jump serve or a traditional?
2: Um, I'm a traditional standing float. So like the ball doesn't have any spin. It just kind of floats as is. You can kind of like read the name on the ball and it moves from side to side.
1: Kind of like a knuckleball in baseball.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Got it. Cause those jump serves to me. And especially when I watch the, the men, it's just how hard it comes and with the overspin. And it's just, it, it's something I can't, understand the, yeah, it's the, the physics of it and just watching how athletic it is. It's just, it's an underrated sport in my, in my opinion.
2: I agree. It's definitely hard to pass um, a men's top spin serve. Like with our coaches, they'll serve at us sometimes. And it's just intent- Like you're just sitting there, you can't move quick enough to pass the ball. So you just kind of have to stand there and hope that it hits you in the chest because it'll be up.
1: <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> So there are obviously there are some serves that are more offensive and all you're trying to do then is just bump the ball. Is that right? You're not necessarily trying to direct it. You're just trying to get it in the air for the next person.
2: Uh, When you're serving, your overall target is for an ace, essentially, to where you get the point right off the bat, whether it's the person shanks it or it hits the court right away that's your overall goal, but yeah, you kind of want to make it tough for the DS or the libero or anyone else that's passing.
1: But I mean, if you are on the receiving end of that, of one of those rocket fire serves, you're just trying to get the ball in the air to get it to the next person. All right. Okay.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: Now, you know what, somewhere along the line, um, the rules for volleyball changed. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, and I don't know how long ago it was, but you could only score when you served. Was that correct?
2: Oh, that's yeah, that's how it used to be. But you can score. Um, it's rally score. Essentially, it's not serve score. So right. I can, my team could get a point, whether or not we're serving.
1: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a half a dozen, maybe a dozen names that uh, people know about um, those that are the biggest names uh, that have played over the years. Do you have uh, an idol, so to speak, or somebody after whom mm-hmm. you pattern your game?
2: Not necessarily, uh, to be completely honest. I like to watch the sport, but I'm not like a diehard fan for any individual player. I think that every person that's playing professional volleyball is just all around a solid individual person inside and out. So just to follow anyone's mentality or game in that perspective would be amazing. Yeah, It's just trying to play at that high level.
1: It seems as though some of the best players, the most notable players are from California or in particular, Southern California. Does that hold true? Do you think, or, I, I mean, I... there's great players everywhere, but you know, Christy Walsh, is it Christy, uh, Christy Walsh? Is that who I'm thinking of? Kerry uh, Walsh, Carrie, Carrie Walsh. Walsh, sorry, Kerry Walsh and Dane yeah. Blanton as an example. Um, I know some of the names cause they are from this area. Not that I know them personally, but it seems like Southern California is a hotbed for really good volleyball.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And I yeah, actually, I'm disagreeing with you completely. There's a lot of people from the valley, actually, that end up moving down here and they bring their volleyball community down here, too. So it's just growing. It's a giant, ever growing family of volleyball players that want everyone else to succeed. And I think that a lot of the big colleges down here like USC, UCLA, Long Beach, they all have really good high division volleyball, which makes the people watching want to be better as well.
1: Sure. And we have some huge tournaments in Southern California, some beach tournaments in particular. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah uh, there's the one in Huntington Beach and there's one in Laguna Beach as well.
2: Yeah. I haven't been able to go and watch any of those or attend any of those normally because I'm back in Fresno. But it's True. something I definitely look forward to. Sure. To go and see.
1: Sure. So I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that Southern California – uh, where volleyball and beach volleyball in particular is concerned is as competitive a, uh, as anywhere in the world.
2: I would say so. Yeah, I agree. Just hmm. because like you said it's a hotbed for people that love the sport. There's I mean at this point there's no reason to. I mean, it's amazing. It's fun to watch. It's the atmosphere is amazing. It's just a unique sport. It's just you get this certain drive and energy when you're playing.
1: When you're when you're not playing, can you watch it all
2: day? Uh, yeah, for the most part I could. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, I'm the same way. If I'm not part of a baseball game, I can, I can watch it whether it's on TV or in person. I am I'm, I'm a fan of, of the game and of the players. So you're one of those people who can watch it all day, even if you're not participating.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm, excellent. Hey, you know, again, we have Kennedy McDonald joining us today on our podcast. Uh, she is a tri sport athlete here at Westcliff. She plays Indoor volleyball for our women's team, as well as beach volleyball, and she's on our surf team. Kennedy, it was a pleasure having you on today. I certainly hope you enjoyed yourself.
2: I did. I definitely did. Thank you so much for granting me this opportunity.
1: Oh, well, you know what? Uh, It's always nice when we can have our uh, student athletes on our podcast and uh, give us a little bit different perspective. You know, as coaches, we have a perspective. It's hard to put ourselves in your place. Um, in particular for myself, because, yeah, well, I was a student athlete. That was a very long time ago, and <laughs> things are things are different now. So, you know, I always like to have our student athletes on so uh, we can get a different perspective. Hey, uh, somewhere along the line, would you mind uh, coming on again?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I had a blast.
1: Oh, that's I'll, great.
2: Thanks whenever so you much. need me, I'll, okay. I'll
1: be here. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, <laughs>
0: hey, Kennedy, Kennedy. before you get out of here, because I know Coach Shermet. Ask you a lot of questions about volleyball and, and all your sports. I want to ask you just two things real Go quick. Go for
2: it. Go for
0: it. The first thing is tell me this superstition that you got that in warmups your hair has to be in a ponytail.
2: But yeah. then when it's
0: game time, you have to have them embrace. I gotta yeah. know what what's what's the correlation on that?
2: Um I've been really a really superstitious uh, athlete my entire life. And there was one game at Fresno city. It was like my first game, actually my freshman year, I had done my hair a certain way and I didn't play the first, like the best first match. So then I decided to twist my hair in a certain way. And for some reason that just increased my level of play and it just kind of stuck with me. So, um, after warm ups, I put my hair from a normal ponytail into a braid, and for some reason, I swear it helps me play better.
0: <laughs> hey, I thought that was so cool. and then the second thing is, you love some pasta, and I love pasta too <laughs> yeah. what's your What's your favorite dish?
2: um oh my gosh If I could just have like a giant like bowl of every single pasta, I would be all for it. Any pasta you put oh. in front of me, I would eat.
0: Right. Hey, listen. And, and, and lastly, I'll fight you over some garlic bread. I like garlic bread too. <laughs> I know that's what <laughs> I'm getting favorite. that
2: last piece for sure. I'm taking over the whole <laughs> loaf. You're not going to get any. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we definitely appreciate you and uh, thank you for being a spark for us. I know you've got a big future and I can't wait to see you get out there.
2: Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to hopefully being on this again. And I'm looking forward to for that championship mindset.
1: Hmm. Let's go. Yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks again, Kennedy. Thank you so much.
1: Sean, I wanna I wanna ask you about, you know, we were talking about superstition. Were you a superstitious athlete before your before any of your games?
0: Yeah, that and still am. I think I, you know, I keep my same routines for sure. If they get okay. broken,
1: yeah. Can you I, tell can you tell me what well, you do or, or some of your yeah, routines? Well, what about you? Yeah. Oh right. well, base baseball is a hugely superstitious sport. I, I it, it was yeah. ridiculous with me, especially if you're on a streak. If you're going well, you don't you don't change anything. So same right. socks on the same feet. You know, you eat the same meal before every game, and you arrive at the same time, and you go through the same everything. Uh, did you have anything in particular that you had to you had to yeah. do before a game? Like what? m um, and M's. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I just ate a whole thing M and M's this week. I, I, yeah, I, I just M and Yeah,
0: I'm telling you, the yellow package M and M's, man. Absolutely, I have to have
1: absolutely, Liddy is is crazy for those. By the way, our compliance officer, Liddy Doren. But, he,
0: but here's the deal: she just wants all yellow. I don't care what color they are, but she specifically just want yellow M and M's. Yeah, that's,
1: you it. Know, that's that's true. Because uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago, when we did Secret Santa, I was her Secret Santa. And I got her all yellow MMs. So yeah. that's that's so absolutely I thought that true. was even
0: I thought that was even weirder to me. You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: yeah, but okay. You know? Do you do you need the, the plane or the peanut? Yeah, uh, peanut. Oh, absolutely. I, I could make a yeah. meal on those things and I and I do frequently. So superstition is a heart a, a huge part of sports. Is Dominic superstitious? Does he have to lace them up the same way before every game or do the same uh, warm up routine?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know all of them, but I know that his shoes has to be tied a certain way, and he <laughs> will slow the game down. He doesn't even care; like it doesn't matter if he's coming to the court late. If he don't lace them up a certain way, he's not getting out there. <laughs> okay. You know that used That's... to drive me crazy because you know I'll be like, "Man, can you hurry up? Maybe you need to get to the gym an hour before." I mean, I don't know what it is, but he—if you disrupt that, it disrupts his, his flow. So, absolutely.
1: Huh, it's interesting. I, I know. Yeah. I, as I say, I know baseball is hugely superstitious. I'm sure other sports are as well. Um, there's as you know, when baseball there, there are a few of those unwritten rules and I'm sure there are in other sports. You don't mess with the streak. If you're, if yeah. you're hitting the ball well, or you're playing well, you do everything the same right down to every minute that you can. And, Somewhere along the line, it's going to break. And I always thought, well, okay, now that the streak's over, we got to start a new one and do something different. But I could never get away from that routine. Um, you know, there's a great story about Wade Boggs, who was uh, a Hall of Fame baseball player early in his career. Hey, man, I, know, I know who Wade Boggs is. Okay, I know all who right. That man is. But, but not everyone listening to the podcast might. So if, listen, um, listen
0: here. If they don't know who Wade Boggs is, the, the fist pump, in one of the biggest game in Dodger history, right? They need to go on somewhere, though.
1: Well, the you thing remember is, that? yeah. The, well, I, I'm talking about the same, the fist pump. Which fist pump?
0: Oh, see, see, you don't even know, but you're not a winner, so I get it. Don't worry about it.
1: All right, I just want to make sure we're on the same page because Wade Boggs played predominantly for the Red Sox and the Yankees, and the A's. Well, I'm, I think right. Personally. I'm. I'm yeah, yeah, that's true. But where, where else did he put Where, where did he finish his career at? Uh, let me see. Did he? Are you saying he played for the Dodgers? I, I thought that Wade Boggs had one. I thought he had one Tampa, Tampa. Uh, yeah, I think he did play for Tampa at the very end. He played. Yeah, he played mostly for Boston and New York, and then at the very end, he did play for I think Tampa Bay for the years of 98 and 99. So I'm not sure, you're, you're correct. I just don't recall the fist pump off the top of my head.
0: Well, I don't think I'm correct. I got that from my astute
1: Well, I'm not, well, well, the uh, <laughs> it's okay. The, um, uh, the point that I wanted to make though, is that early in his career, his wife made him a chicken sandwich before a game and he got four or five hits. So before every game in his career, he ate a chicken sandwich. It was that superstitious. And the man played uh, 2,439 games. So that's a lot of chicken sandwiches. So uh, that's how superstitious he, he was, or maybe still is. I was the same way, not necessarily with my diet, but I had to do the same thing over and over before a game. Um, it didn't work necessarily for me because I didn't have such a great professional career, but, but he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think he was introduced,
0: what, around 2005, 2006? Uh, you mean as a player? Uh two thousand five, uh introduction to the Hall of Fame, right? Or no? Oh oh
1: the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I beg your pardon. Yeah, it was right around yeah, two thousand five. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, and uh one of the greatest left-handed hitters who is very underrated. <clears throat> but um Right. But as, as and, that, I, and, and that fist pump, that fist pump was for that 3,000 hit that he had oh, in oh, Tampa which, Bay. Yes, which was a home run, I might add. There are only two players in the Hall of Fame that have done that. The other one was uh Derek Jeter, believe it or not. So uh, he hit a, uh, He has 3,010 hits, does Wade Boggs, and his 3,000th hit was a home run to right field. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, hey, I also have one or two uh, fast facts for you, uh, some pretty interesting stuff. Um, now, you know, we try to touch on a variety of sports with our fast facts. And uh, just to tell you about the greatness that was Wayne Gretzky, broke the all-time single-season goals – Scored record by 16 goals and the points record by 65 points in a single season when he was a 20 year old on the Edmonton Oilers, his second year in the league. And uh, his records obviously still stand. And Secretariat, maybe the greatest horse uh, in the history of horse racing, his 31 length win at the 73 Belmont Stakes is two seconds faster than any other horse has ever run the race. He still holds that record. 27 uh 48 years later. So some pretty interesting stuff. There's so much to know about sports. Hey, let's talk very briefly about the uh, game that was uh Gonzaga. Uh and um you're up there right now, is that correct? You're in Washington?
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. In yep. Washington Spokane.
1: Yeah, Yay! Who do they play in the Northwest? In the, the Northwest. Sp- north- north. Yeah, and uh, what's the temperature there right now? Do you have any idea? Ooh, too damn cold. Too
0: damn cold. <laughs> if you're from if you're from Southern California, you're just gonna say too
1: damn cold. Uh, right. I'm sure it's probably like thirty under under thirty. Okay, is that Pullman, Washington? S- say again. I'm sorry. Is that Pullman, Washington? Well, Where? Where I'm at right now? Right. Yeah. Or are you in Seattle? Or where are you? No. I, no. 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 I'm in Spokane. Oh, Spokane. I apologize. Spokane. Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. I miss yeah, I miss Spokane right now.
1: Okay. Uh Pullman, oh, sorry. Pullman is Washington State. I I apologize. Um so in according to what I have here, Spokane currently is 34 degrees uh with a high going up to 43. Uh, a low overnight was 27. So, uh at least mm. it's yeah, at least it's not snowing, but uh
0: Well, it, it's, well, bit- it's snowing on the ground. It's snowing on the ground right now. Oh, is there really did you take a coat? I hope you took a coat with you not big enough. When you come up from Southern Cali, ain't nothing good enough. <laughs>
1: okay. Um. So uh, their last game, uh, who did they win? Who did they beat in their last game? It was just last night, I think, wasn't it? Or a couple nights ago? Yeah, Santa
0: Clara. Santa Clara is who they played last night. Okay. Who do they play next? Uh, man, I don't even know who they play. I just know we play.
1: Uh, okay, but you're going to be there for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's kind of how I roll, man. I, I, don't, I don't be knowing who I play, but um but but um the biggest thing for me is uh coming here was because it'll be senior night on Saturday.
1: Ah and, um, so okay. So
0: that'd be we got one senior, Corey Kisper, and uh I think it's only right that if you're a parent you can come and support you know the senior that we have on yep. the team. And and we do play uh LMU.
1: So, right. Loyola Marymount. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. They're set up to be a pretty good team for, uh, for years now. I know Kispert obviously is a big part of their, of their operation, but uh, you know, they've got plenty of guys coming in and they've got everybody coming back. Do you think everybody's coming back or are one or two guys going to go to the NBA like Suggs? I mean, he's got three more years, but his eyes might be on a bigger prize. What do you think? You know,
0: I hate to talk anybody's money. You know, that's one thing you don't, you try not to do is, is is talk about another guy's another player's money. But um, I think it's going to be a lot of guys who are going to go to the league.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not all, all I'm interested in is your point of view <laughs> with regard to what you think they're, if they're interested in moving on is what uh, I'm saying, rather than stand for three or four years. Um, at <clears> Gonzaga, Cause if they do, that team is going to be unbelievable for years. They're, they don't, they're not, they're losing Kispert, but my goodness, they've got with what they have coming in and what they have coming back, they're going to be at the top of the rankings for a very long time.
0: I mean, that can easily be the case, but, but to your point, it is a lot of guys who are on a lot of big time watch lists, you know, far far as players of the year, like Bob Cousy award, mm-hmm. uh, car Malone, uh, you name it, uh, national player of the year, you know. So, yeah, they they have an opportunity to to move on and and uh, go to the next level. I mean, I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Sure. I mean, because you want what's best for the athlete at the end of the day. I mean, anyone who plays sports or who coached, you know, it's the expiration date on this, you know. And, and you want to maximize everything you can within a career. So, um, although I would love everybody to come back I think whatever is the best decision for them and their families and then ultimately you play for you know the passion to get to a certain level right and um, at this level you know since we're talking about high high d1 athletics, you know pretty much blue blood you know uh, type of pedigree uh, ultimately I'm sure they want to go to the pros right and to the NBA and I think we got a handful of guys who, have a legitimate chance you know after this season to make that transition mm-hmm. so I, I agree i agree i think you know no doubt about it Suggs, so was projected top five i mean that's a no-brainer right why wouldn't you and then i'm sure kisper's first round somewhere i know joel Ayai's is projected um in the first or second round mm. and and i'm sure you know, Timmy could sneak in there somewhere, too.
1: Hmm. So I mean, when this it's could... all
0: said and done, I know some things still need to be played out. But, yeah, it's it's, it's really definitely a, a chance to do a whole
1: lot of things. Yeah, this could look uh, like a very different team next season. But that's I think they face that every year, though. Sure. Yeah, the Blue
0: Bloods think, do. Um, you know. That's what makes this. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so, so uh, important them to continue to water the bamboo, right? Of guys that's that's still there who may not be in a projected first round, but may, you know, you know, uh, one and done, so to speak. But maybe year two and year three, they're primed to get out of there as well. So um, I, I think they got a deep roster. I think uh, they always do a great job of getting grad transfers and people who um, enhance their culture. Mm-hmm. So you you never want to say a team is going to be fine because every year, right? you want to say great, but this was a team also that last year had a chance to win the national championship if a pandemic didn't come and wipe it out. There was a 30-win team last year, right? We, we tend to forget that, right? Sure. And around this time last year, right, they played the WC Championship, won that, and then, you know, the pandemic hit, and then everything was shut down, you know? So, I mean, you know, this, this team is definitely poised in prime, you know, but there's still a lot of basketball left. Um that's Absolutely. one thing about competitive sports. You know, you can you can look like the front runner, but if you don't finish your breakfast, right, then um uh, you you won't get that ultimate, you know, goal that you're looking for. So I just pray that everybody stays healthy and mm. um they continue to listen to the coaching staff and uh and play like it's their last supper, man.
1: Yeah. Well they're you know gonna I mean? be I
0: think that, that's good.
1: They're gonna have an undefeated regular season. Uh, it's all, obviously it's all about March madness, which we're coming up here on March madness. So it's going to be exciting. Hey, who do you think is the greatest player all time to come out of Gonzaga men's basketball?
0: Man, this it's kind of hard. You know, I think some of the, some of it's still unwritten, right? It just depends on what you're talking about. Total impact or not. I mean, you you can't say anything without mentioning John Stockton, right? Yeah. I I, I think
1: I'd put him number one.
0: Yeah, I mean, but you know, Adam Morrison, right? Adam Morrison was a big time mm. ZAG as well, right? Oh uh, yeah. You know, so, I'm,
1: okay, but, I put him a little further down the list. Yeah, but, I,
0: but 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 here's the deal: I'm not putting them. I mean, because you got Dan Dick out, you got so many guys, right? So, yep. but what I'm saying is, when you're talking about Zags, you know, we're talking about the, the the college program. Some of these guys' pro game may didn't transfer right over as well as Stockton, but. I mean Adam Morrison was uh he was known everywhere, man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like in you know, college, it didn't kind he, of yep. work, work out as great. Yeah, it didn't it, it didn't kind of work out as much as he wanted to in the pros, but I mean he he everybody knew who he was coming out coming out of college.
1: Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, he was highly yeah, he yeah, because... everybody, every,
0: everybody, everybody did.
1: Yeah, he, had, uh, he was unbelievable. But as I say, uh, even in college, I mean, he was there from 03 to 06. Um, and he, obviously, they right. he's looked at, I mean, you know, I think athletes are looked at differently if they don't have the professional career that is expected of them coming out of college because of the hype surrounding them. I and mean, I think he's one of those guys.
0: Yeah, No, I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree one bit. You know, I mean, you got Kelly Olynyk. You know, you got Sabonis that just got snubbed. I thought he was an all-star this year. No reason why he shouldn't have been. Right. Right. I mean, you know, Kevin Pango is another guy. Jeremy Pargo, that don't really get any recognition as far as when you look at lists and things of that nature. He's a hell of a player.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Elias Harris was another dude. Blake Stepp,
1: another guy. You're partial. You're partial to guys with that last name.
0: Hey, yeah, very very partial. Okay, uh, but you know, but, but um, you know, it's, it's 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 just a lot of great, you know, players that actually came through the turnstiles of, you know, the McCarthy yeah, building. Yeah. Uh, Rui Hachimura? How can you forget Rui? I yeah, mean, then we're yeah. talking about
1: uh Brandon Clark as well, right? Brandon Clark, right uh, behind I would put you know, him right behind Hachimura.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's really, it's a lot. The, the great thing about it is when we can sit there and name off, you know, guys, and we even talk about the old timers, right? But we just can mm-hmm. name off guys and it shows you how rich the culture is, how rich the history is, right? And, um, you know, it's just a lot of great dudes that has came through. I mean, we didn't even talk about, you know, Nigel William Goss, you know, he was big Right,
1: time. right. You know, Ronnie so Torioff. Right
0: yeah we, we you could go on and on and on man and uh um, yeah. the, the cool thing is um it is a rite of passage there they do things a little different and um but you know that coming through the door you know you know that coming through the door um you know, so I mean if you don't know, you better ask somebody right i mean yeah, but- so that's that's the kind of thing.
1: You know what I find commendable about the guys that we're talking about? Uh, John Stockton, um, not as much Sabonis. I'll tell you what I mean in a second. Hachimura, not so much Brandon Clark, but then Adam Morrison, uh, Kelly Olynyk. I'm just going down the line. Ronnie Turioff, uh Dan Dickow. All of these guys, uh, Kevin Pangos, played for three, four, five years. They stayed their entire career. They did not go early. And if they were only there for two years, it's because they transferred in as a JC player. So, most of the time, what I'm discovering here is the freshmen that get there don't necessarily leave college early. They stay with the program the whole time. Yeah. Jeremy Pargo, yeah. same thing. He was there for four or five years. So, you know, it's a testament, obviously, the coaching staff to create that culture that says, hey, you know what? We want to win championships at this level. You do have a future you know we want to make sure that you're ready to go and also these are guys that get their degrees and and that's huge especially in our you know the way our culture is at Westcliff student athlete the word student comes first
0: yeah, absolutely uh you know it's a I'm definitely uh able to to watch them and how they kind of operate a little internally you know because you know my son's there and then understanding the business and And kind of see how you know they handle me. You know what I'm saying? You know it's 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 kind of funny, man. Because in this sports game, you know we we try to some people try to make it seem like you know parents are the enemies of coaches. That's not always the case. Maybe misinformed parents, right, are different. But when you're in this business, man, it doesn't matter what level it is, and you have to growth and and built the culture of like like we have you know built at and we're building something special here it's like you know the business side of this you know what the games are and um you know to me I, I think it's 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 a little disrespectful you know when when other coaches try to not acknowledge other parents who may be in the business that they have coaches in there like it's it's just the different the only difference in college athlete, uh, athletics is just the different type of athlete you have at all the different levels. It, it's, it's the formulas are still the same when you're talking about team dynamics, building a culture and all those things. It, it, that doesn't change. You know, it, it really doesn't. Um, it's still a people person business. It's still based off relationships, you know um, you know, so those things are clearly apparent. And um, I say this all the time, you know, for, for parents, you know, when when parents buy into the culture, it makes it easier for the athlete to to be able to embrace whatever new challenges in the culture it is. And um, you know, so I'm not. Um, I know coaches always say, "Oh man, you know, like he's a helicopter parent and this and that." And you know, for other, for I've never been labeled that, um, but you know, they try to put these labels on parents and. And, and i don't think that's the right right deal because most of the time uh, those parents are, are, are toting the to sacrifices all the way up to the levels right of college you know they're in every game they're they're making huge huge sacrifices for their kids uh sometimes they're very misinformed in the grassroots right so they doesn't they don't understand the etiquettes or what they need to do when it's time for them to go to the next levels you know so they're just not properly taught, you know, the way the business is. And and college, to me, it's a big maze, man. And you can get trapped. It's a big maze. Um, you know, for me, I understand the business. And, you know, so we're in it, sure, you know, at this level. I understand how kids get marketed. I understand what you need to do with athletes. I have to do the same thing on a different level, right? On a different level. That's all it is we upgrade our athletes, right, and our status, right, and we were getting to some of these different uh, echelons of conferences, then it's, it's no difference, man. It's, it's really no difference. But very few people can build a program from the ground up. And um, even in this business at all levels, and, and for those who can, I, I highly respect them because it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of consistency on mm-hmm. all levels. You know, to, to, to make that happen.
1: Absolutely. Well, hey, let me ask you a question because you mentioned an interesting point about uh parents buying into the culture. Um, and you know, you're you're right in the middle of that. You you've got an entire organization and university and athletic department underneath what you're doing as the dean of athletics, but then you also have that uh above what you're doing with uh Gonzaga. What kind of um, communication or contact do you have with, say, Mark Few or the culture that is Gonzaga basketball?
0: Uh, you know, I, ret- I always tell you I never kiss and tell. You know, but do you I always have, tell you that? Uh,
1: okay, I, I understand that. But, I'm,
0: but, I'm, but, but but here's the deal though if you know me like you do know me, right? Yeah. You know, you know, you know my non negotiables and you know that that has to happen. If, if everyone, who's in our organization is family to me and you would know that I wouldn't be associated with any anything especially with my inner family right that doesn't share those same sentiments right of what we have with our five Cs and what we do right so so my my thing is <clears throat> i think at a certain level you know like i have a, a certain professionalism is like when we turn something over to someone, right, We that trust always has to be there, right? And, and I talk about trust, and I tell you, like, the first thing about trust for me is broken down in three things, and it's not even emotional, right? It, the, the first thing, when I, when I mention trust, trust to me is incorporated in three things. First thing is sincerity, right? Is it sincere, right? That's the biggest thing, right? The second thing is competence right? The people I'm dealing with are competent. And then the third thing, right? Are they reliable, right? So that's how I evaluate trust. You know, is it sincere? Is it competent? And is it reliable? And then, you know, if those three things are checked off for me, then the trust factor is there. Then for me, I don't have to, you know, put the cake in the oven and keep running back and forth and making sure the cake is rising, right? So, you know, for me, you know that that those things have to be checked off, even before I'm even in any relationship, on any levels with anyone. If that's not happening, then then I'm not there. If that's not happening, then the people who close to me are not even in association with anything less than that, right? So that's kind of how it is, you know. So you know, we got I don't even know how many athletes we have now, right? Um, but all of the families entrust us, my coaches, our AD staff, me, right, being the dean of athletics, right, to 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 preserve and to ensure that their young men, young men, young men are having the best experience possible in the journey, right? So not even even though we're highly competitive. And we know the byproduct is championships and wins and all of those things, right? The most important part for me is the journey it, it getting there and being able to, to walk away and say, enjoy it at West Coast, right? They they, they love what we were about trying to foster and all these things, all these life skills, right? Because we, we that, I think that's the disconnect that we don't understand is that We provide a platform that doesn't all, I mean, it it accumulates, um, you know, wins and losses and all those great things and highs and lows and all those things. But also the skill sets that's necessary, you know, for your everyday life are are built in some of these uh, situations that sports present itself. And those things for me are way bigger than, you know, how many banners we hang up. Because these are banners that we're hanging up in in young individuals' lives every single day. when We're helping them navigate through bigger situations that they can't seem to navigate for themselves. And then what we ask them to do is after they're finished their their time with our program, right, that they in turn reach their hand back and help the next person and pay it forward and all those great things. So that's what I'm excited for. That's the reason why, you know, I decided that I was going to, you know, get involved in college, you know, athletics in the second half of my career. That's the reason why I bust my tail and get this PhD, you know, uh, degree in leadership and all these things, right? So I can help connect this disconnect and this bridge because there's a disconnect from grassroots to collegiate, from collegiate to professional. It's huge disconnects. It's huge gaps, and um, and it's ridiculous to me because who uh, end up suffering in all these huge disconnects and gaps are are the athletes and the families, and and that's that's really crazy because here's the deal: like I've always been my son's trainer for basketball, always been. So now when I get to the collegiate level, right. You think that I'm not still going to be invested when I got more time invested than the people I'm handing them off to? Of course you are, right? But it's it's it's, it's just a way? It's the etiquette to making that happen. So normally in season, you know, just like I do with my coaches, when I'm you know as the dean of athletics, I'm not in there in the locker rooms in season, you know, trying to course correct my coaches why they're trying to to get the goal and all that. In the off season, we can have those talks, right? Unless those with day in season. Like, you know, I'm not in every situation and whatever the principles and philosophies of, the, of, of that culture is. I should embrace that and trust that because that's what recruiting is all about. So at the end of the season, everybody should evaluate their situation season. You know, when I talk to, you know, my son about his first experience, you know, at Gonzaga, right? We're gonna examine what we're tolerating. And I think every student athlete should examine what they tolerate, right? And there should be some start, stop and continue. Some things that you should start doing, some things you should stop doing, some things you should continue to do. But that needs to happen in its proper place. Right now, in the season, I don't care if it's a championship season or if you're 0-12, it don't matter. This wouldn't be great timing for those kind of evaluations because you should be all in to the culture and all in to winning. So after that is said and, done, and, and time is on the clock and the whistle is blown, then that's when you have that reevaluation of the situation because it's an expiration date on it. And then you look at, you know, Parents who really control, you know, uh, concern about the programs that their kids are in. If you feel like you 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 being mishandled or whatever, that's when you get all your answers, uh, all questions answered. You know, after the season, right? And then if those programs can't answer those questions that you may have, then you know you are, are going to be ostracized. We can use the transfer portal. I think that's BS because coaches change. Coaches recruit, continue to recruit. So parents should continue to evaluate what's going on. I think it's the I think it's the university or the organization job to to have retention and have honest conversations. We know it doesn't happen on every level, right? So in season ain't the time to handle that. In the off season, that's the time to handle all that kind of stuff, and then you figure out what's the best decision for you. So that's kind of the way that I evaluate that, even as a dean of athletics for all my coaches, right? I evaluate the same thing. You know, we're gonna examine what we tolerated and does it fit with the culture? And sometimes it's not a cultural fit and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Sometimes it's, that's just how it bounce, how the ball bounces, you know? But I'm glad now that it's no penalty, It's gonna be no penalty for, for kids, you know, who need to move on because every fit is not a great fit. And we understand that. And every program is not sold in, in the belief of culture and, and, and transparency. And we know that as well. So let's not put ourselves on this high horse because we're in athletic administration thinking that, oh man, just you know, we brother our kids because we didn't recruit well or we didn't it didn't fit well. You know, I, I don't believe in that. So I kind of look at it a little bit different, sir.
1: Okay. Let me ask you this then. Do you believe the saying that you deserve what you accept?
0: You know, I, I think, uh, I, I think of a little, uh, you deserve what you accept, um, depend on what you've been brought up and taught by, because some folks in, in our societies, right, because of different demographics, never had an expectation on their life. So when you don't have an expectation on your life, or you that first generational, you don't know what to expect. Because you don't have that guidance, right? So it's hard for me to say, yeah, you deserve, you know, you, you kind of you deserve that, you know, because some people in this world, and, and I've been this person myself, you know, speaking for me, in some areas of your life, you don't stumble forward, right? And incremental steps is still progress, but you don't know what that expectation is, you know what your intentions are, right? but you know and and here's the deal like this is the biggest thing with college athletics is that opportunity has to meet preparation you can prepare right and still not be given an opportunity and some kids right are not being given an opportunity because sometimes right we want to hold on to players for the next class and for the next class and for the next class so they don't get that opportunity. And so if that's not clearly communicated and they're not enough coaches and administrators and, and people in our profession not being transparent in that, that in those conversations, right? And and the reward looks a little lopsided, you know, for, for some, that's on the organization. That's on the team. That's on the coaches, right? To 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 foster that relationship and to keep that, keep those things going. But these kids out here, these young student athletes, especially at high levels, they're not stupid anymore, man. They, they understand in the game. There's too much information floating around. They understand the politics of this business now. And whether you want to sit your soul or not, you know, to some of the dynamics that are out there that can thrust you pretty far up or it could bring you down, you know, because we see it happen in the sports. We see it happen even in university programs. Since we control the media, and we control the narrative. Right. So when we want to get off of the kid because we want to, um, you know, recruit over top of them, then we start spilling that blasphemy out there. Right. So we can make those moves. Same thing has to be pro sports. Right. As soon as we want to be off, we say, oh, man, you know, you know, this guy is not so great for the locker room. You know, and then we start bringing up incidents. But we never bring up the incidents in the organization when we ask the guy to move and change and be flexible and all these kind of things, right? We like to say, next play, hurry up, let's do this, let's do that for the athlete. And then when they put the onus back onto the organization or to the university, then it's an issue. So, you know, it's some cleaning up it has to be done at high level, you know, collegiate athletics, especially with the NCAA inconsistencies and different levels of that. So, you know, I'm kind of bipartisan, but I always tell student athletes, like, continue to control what you can control. And that is your attitude and your production. So as long as you continue to to pour into your craft, at some point, you're going to be highly productive and, and through your results. Someone is going to need you and you will fit a role in an organization. So just keep plugging away, you know, so you just got to keep plugging away. So that's that's kind of how I feel there. It
1: seems like the athletes today have more of a voice now than they ever have. Um, you know,
0: they should, they should. Yeah, they they should. It was one side. Sure. It was one sided. It was one sided. You know, it's some despicable things that goes on in our industry that we don't want to talk about. Right. But for so many years, right. Because in any part of sports, the end users is always the athletes period. They the end users of the process, whether it's entertainment, whatever, it, it doesn't matter because normally end user don't get all the benefits just in sports because it's entertainment. The dollar values look a lot different. I'm glad that that, that student athletes have, have social media. I'm glad that they have access to have their own, all their to be uh, uh, told out there because before it wasn't and, and, and people don't deep dive or look into anything. And then they just, take what they read that normally gets filled out by every SID, you know, organization from the universities. And then people believe it is what it is. And we type cast a kid and, and throw their career right. It doesn't happen like that. You know, it's, it's some dark things that go on in this business that I'm that now with social media has illuminated because you can, you can put some light to some things. So I'm, I'm actually happy because it's a little bit more accountability instead of just, one way being the only way because we know that's not true we we, we know that we want to be a hundred percent we know some things that we we do in this business of sports that's unethical and that's not above board and i ain't saying everybody is right just like we have some cops that don't do some things right right but they expose it, it for everybody else so it's our job to you know good cops that to hold bad cops accountable good athletic administration got to hold bad administrators accountable because at the end of the day, the expiration date is on the kids who, who, you know, have a shelf life, man. And, and in sports, it can be on what sport it is, football, basketball, baseball, that shelf life is pretty, it, it can be small, it can be long. So we, we need to protect the game in that way.
2: Hmm.
1: Interesting point of view. Um, you know, at the highest levels, we see uh, a lot of athletes now if they're unhappy they're demanding a trade and they're getting yeah, but, their wish and they have so things like no trade clauses in their contracts and they have special compensation no. or dispensation so they they're the ones that are controlling the narrative but
0: it it hasn't always been that way
1: no that's I mean, Larry absolutely Burr, true. I mean, you
0: got to learn you know you got the Larry Bird in basketball right yep you know and, 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 and some of our best legends of the game, you know, actually started some of the no-trade clauses right? because it was a discrepancy in that. But, but when organization wants to give you a recruit over top of you, then it used to be fine, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's crazy. I think about also the Sean Watson situation, right? Yep. You know, they're telling him, hey, look, you know, you're wrong for wanting to trade. But, hey, when J.J. Watt say I'm out, it's not a problem, right? It's not an issue, right? So it's some disparities also that comes in this game, you know, and I think it's, you know, it, it still needs to be leveled out, right? It still needs to be leveled out. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think absolutely, absolute power corrupts absolutely.
2: It yes. still has to be.
0: It still has to be checks and balances, even for me, you know, like my checks and balances at the Dina Athletics is my AD squad, right? And I do a lot of collaboration and some things I'm not even involved in, you know, so I don't have sway or, or leveraging a situation because I've been highly successful. Because you've been highly successful doesn't mean that everybody should assumption assumptions that everything you say. Is is on the board. We all got policies. We all have biases. It's our job to temper those things, right? And make the best decision. You know, going on. Like, you know, some dudes are not jolly dudes and you know? some dudes are not showboat guys in the locker. Some dudes like to come in and not, not say anything. It's just the best. Person. They, they possibly can be not going to be all. Everybody's pregame routine is completely different. That was what I learned when I got to college athletics and also, you know, just being uh, in sports, right? Everyone's pregame routine look different, the way they get prepared for a game. Some dudes like to just go put on headphones, right, and, and, and listen to music. Some guys got to talk to everybody in the locker room, right? Some guys got to be, you know, in the mirror. You know like It's so many different things. But if you're really, truly a team, you gotta embrace all of those things. It's, it's okay. And it doesn't even matter. You gotta have some flexibility, you know, in, in your culture if, if, if you're trying to, uh, you know, persevere in this ever-changing world that society has has given us. You, you don't lose your your non-negotiables within your culture, but, but you have to have some flexibility. You gotta be a rubber band. You know, you gotta bend without breaking. You know, you gotta understand the things that should be, you know, solid foundation, and the, some of the things with social media that it's just a different athletes, different generations, right? So they get after it different. I mean, if you talk to kids now from eighteen to twenty-five, they will tell you Twitter is a is is a reliable source, right, of information. You know, they they feel like that that's the news for them. I mean, how how many times did we grew up, Sherm, where? TMZ was looked at as a tabloid, but now you get your most reliable information from TMZ,
1: right?
0: But it was it was kind of like Esquire at one point when it first started out, right? Now people say it comes on TMZ; it has to be right. That wasn't always the case. I mean, they said, "Hey, rap music would never last," right? It's not one commercial that doesn't have a rap jingle in it, right? But they said it would never last. Sure, you was you grew up in that age. But they said, oh, man, this is bad. It's never going to last, right? And, and you can't turn on a commercial without, or, or see a commercial, turn on the TV and see a commercial that doesn't have some kind of influence from a hip-hop culture. Especially in our sports. Especially in our sports. So things are always constantly changing, and we need to embrace some of the change that goes on. Mm.
1: That's,
0: that's what we need to do.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, And everybody, and every every family don't have a mother and dad either, sure.
1: And not to go on a
0: soliloquy or long. So, but everybody don't. And and let me just chime in with basketball. In the most cases with basketball, you don't have a two parent household. It's normally a single mother in a dire situation who has no clue about basketball. And and it's been a lot of people in our business, right, on all levels have exploited that. Ignorance, right? Of not knowing, right? Throughout. You know, just so happened for me, I'm in the business, right? So I understand you're not going to sell me a wooden nickel, right? I know what it's supposed to look like. I know the difference between one athlete being showcased and another athlete that's not. I run, I'm, I'm over top of SID teams, I'm over top of compliance, I'm over top of these things, right? is very, very black and white and, and pinned out. I, I can see the dis- discrepancies right away. I can tell when a staff is all in on one dude and not all in on another, guess what? I get paid to, to, to do that. I get to make sure it's in the field. That's part of my job as a Dean of <laughs> Athletics, right? To make sure every student athlete is opportunity and equally, just like it's supposed to be protection under the law for everyone, right? Sure, So that's it as well right so it's a lot of systemic uh issues that's that's, that's as well that we don't want to talk about mm. so i'm here to break all the barriers mm. to break all those modes you know and and to make sure that it is some inclusion at all right you know it is you know gender equality is looked at in any way that i don't need title nine to tell me that and I understand the power of Title four dollars. I understand this year's term, you know, this year's term, I could tell you an that athlete that's in the highest levels in every sport should have been a pro this year because the way the TV deals were worked out and the way that they had them playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, amateurism is out the window, okay? Ain't no such thing as amateurism for the top teams in college athletics. That's a joke. For us to sit up here and continue to say that student athletes at big time universities are amateurs. That's a lot. We know that. Too many deals being made, sir. Too many deals being made. And and that's the reason why we're going to continue to play. And because it's it's, it's a financial game as well. So let's not try to act like that's not the case either. I'm just a realist, sir, when it comes to that. So I I just hate for people to pee in the snow and then try to tell me, you know, hey, that's that's a, a different slushie. You know what I'm saying? That's a yellow living name slushie. I don't want to hear that that's
1: shit. different give, snow. Give cone. me the
0: real deal. Yeah, give me the real deal. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I can I can accept that, but don't give me the stuff like you think because you know, I'm not no AAU director, bro. I get paid to do this for a living, just like you do. So I'm a hey, i I'm, I'm at Marvel at this. Don't 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 try to play the game with me when you call me when you call me you be the, who you're supposed to be because i'm a fellow. i'm a fellow uh, peer right? just on a different level okay i get it you you got thoroughbreds you got quarter horses I might got a couple of donkeys right i'm not trying to take them to the Kentucky Derby, I get it. We are different races. Okay. <laughs> I get it. But but it's the same business. So those are the things that that would get underneath my skin, you know, when I talk to coaches and stuff. Don't, don't sit here and act like I'm not in the bed.
1: Okay, because you're on a different level. That's going to do it for our podcast today. Of course, we want to thank very much Kennedy McDonald for joining us. And uh, we do apologize. We've had a little bit of audio difficulty. Sean is up in uh, Washington. And uh, because of that, uh, we had a little bit of an unstable signal. So we apologize for that. But as always, uh, keep an ear out for the next podcast. Looking forward to uh, coming back. And as always, I would like to thank my guest host, our Dean of Athletics, Sean Harris. Yay, yay. And the gentleman who makes us sound good each and every time we do podcasts, that is Brandon Peterson, our sound engineer. Beep, 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 beep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you download your podcast. And please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get the word out about Westcliff Athletics. And we thank you for your support. And keep an eye out for the next podcast.
0: So get it, get it, get it while now let me holler at your partner Spit this game in your ear for a minute Quit complaining about how you can't spin it Cause you ain't got it. You got what it takes, but not enough to get started. I hope you get the message. No, it's not a test. It's just me riding the jet. They can't arrest me or bust me. I'm still hungry. I want some more stuff. Get fat and watch my whole crew blow up. So get yours and buy my new album. Peep the game and don't be like Calvin. Get everything you want. Get real. Get your mail. Get your girl to mail.